This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is the 155th episode of the podcast, and today I will be talking about six years of casting across. A little look back and a little bit of insight on what makes the website, the podcast, and all the other stuff that comes through casting across tick. Also, I'm going to take a little look at the fly fishing industry from my perspective, and hopefully that is something that you can take with you as you are going into this winter time, which often includes purchasing stuff as well as spending time reading and maybe even going to a fly fishing show or two. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the sponsor of this week's podcast, X-Chair. I've been talking about X-Chair all month, and I've been sitting in X-Chair for well over a month, and I have to say that there is a difference between whatever chair you find and sit in and a chair like the X-Chair. The first time I sat in my X-Chair, I could tell that there was a difference. This is a premium office chair. I try not to sit down too much, but I find myself not minding sitting down when I sit in my X-Chair. Not only are there multiple ways for you to customize how it fits your rear end, your back, your knees, your arms, your neck, the back of your head, but it can massage, it can heat, it can cool. It's a fantastic chair and I've enjoyed sitting in it every opportunity I get. Take my advice, try X Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Talk to your office manager, talk to your spouse, check them out. You'll never go back to a boring, ordinary chair after you try the X Chair. So go to xchaircasting.com now. That's the letter X, chair, C-A-S-T-I-N-G.com or call one 844 xchair for $100 off your order. Xchair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchaircasting.com. October 29th, 2021. 
the day that this officially releases, unless you are one of the folks that for some reasons listens to the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast the late night that it comes out. And I guess if you live on the West Coast, it's not that late. But uh, yeah, six years, six years of casting across, six years of writing articles. Uh, it's over 940, if my count is correct. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of my words, really, when it comes down to. Thankfully, for a number of years, a lot of those uh, words were actually words from other people. A lot of references and, and recommendations that you'll find, especially in the first three years of the website. And I love it. I'm so happy to be doing Casting Across. I'm so happy that this is part of what I do. I, I've said it before. I've said it again. that This is not my full-time gig. Every once in a while, I get an email, and somebody kind of assumes that it is, and uh, I, that'd be a real fun thing for somebody to do. Not for me. I absolutely love being a pastor. I love being in ministry. I love doing all the things that that entails. This is just a little bit of something on the side. And, you know, if, if you've been around, you've listened to an, enough of the podcast, and you've read enough of the, the website, you heard me interviewed on other podcasts or things like that. One of the reasons why I do casting across is because it allows me to flex my creative muscles and use what I enjoy doing, which is writing and speaking in a way that's a little bit more loose. I am a firm believer that when I do what I do for work, for church, uh, I need to work with a lot of precision. I'm very careful in what I say and how I say it. Uh, that doesn't mean I can't be creative, but it's just a very different thing than when I'm talking into the microphone for you to listen to in this or when I'm writing about fly fishing. And so that is really what got this started. And last year, I think I wrote about exactly how it happened, but I was sitting in a restaurant, a little dark pub in, I think it was either Roscoe, New York or Hancock, New York. And uh, a friend and I were talking about just ways to be creative. Uh, his wife is a successful blogger and uh, he dabbled in a number of different creative outlets and he's in ministry also. And uh, we just got talking about, you know, fly fishing and, and how I'd contributed to a couple of different magazines and, and done some uh, other work for Trout Unlimited in the past. And he said, you know what, you, you really should give this a shot. And so that is why I've done Casting Across. So six years and I am loving it. But, you know, one of the things that steers Casting Across, and I'll mention this here at the end of the podcast when I talk about the articles that went out uh, this week, is you. I have emails, I have social media chirps, uh, I've even gotten texts and phone calls because if, if, if I communicate with you offline, I'm happy to give you my, my phone number and happy to talk that way um, about ideas for content. And I, I think that's great. I have no illusion that my ideas are the only ideas that can be shared. So if you have ideas for the website, for the podcast, if there's a product that you want to pass along for me to take a look at and talk about, or if there's a person that you think I should talk to for an interview, I love that. I think that's fantastic. And in fact, just in a really busy season of life, uh, some of the better interviews and product reviews have been things that people have passed along my way rather than things that I've gone hunting for. Uh, that's going to happen come this uh, this winter time as I'm getting back into like outdoor shows and some of that sort of stuff. But in the spring, summer, and fall, when I'm just out in the woods, whenever I get a chance, I'm not spending a whole lot of time doing any auxiliary or periphery fly fishing things. It's awesome to get those things passed along. So feel free to reach out. Matthew at castingacross.com or get a hold of me through Instagram or through Facebook or through Twitter. It's at castingacross for all of that stuff. But as I mentioned earlier and kind of as I was just alluding to, 
I want to talk a little bit about the fly fishing industry because that's one of the reasons why I decided to do fly fishing when I wanted to start writing and creating uh, along with the conversation that I mentioned a few minutes ago. When I was a teenager, I think it was maybe 18 years old, I started working at an Orvis company fly shop. It was really an Orvis store. I sold a lot of dog beds and I sold barber jackets and I learned how to fold dress shirts and I learned how to take measurements to hem pants. I just recently remembered that that was part of my job. I was talking to somebody and and he said that he went to an Orvis outlet up in Maine and his wife had to hem his pants because they were too long. And immediately when he said that, I thought, oh, were they were they unfinished? Because when I worked at Orvis back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, we had some of our nicer pants came unfinished. And I haven't seen that in a store. I guess I don't shop in that kind of store much anymore. But uh, I remember having to learn how to take people's measurements to send it off to the tailor. So there's a lot of non-fly fishing stuff, but there is so much great fly fishing stuff. I learned how to tie knots like nobody's business when I was working for Orvis because I had this real fear that I was going to sell somebody, you know, a $400 reel uh, and two spools of line for them to go to Alaska or them to go to, uh, you know, some other great vacation. And my Bimini twist wasn't going to hold and they were going to come marching back into the store and chew me out because they lost the fish of a lifetime. So I practice and practice and practice on getting my knots down because I was spooling up up people's reels for them and getting them ready to go out. Uh, that was so much fun. I uh, learned to do casting instruction uh, working through Orvis. I learned to do some guiding working through Orvis. And it was just a fantastic just chance for a young fly fisher to really become immersed in fly fishing. Met some great people, met some people that gave me some other opportunities once my time with Orvis was over, once I kind of went to school, moved down to South Carolina full-time, was uh, selling fly rods for a small company, a company that's changed hands a few times, and I probably should reach out and just see what they're up to and see what they're doing these days. But uh, did that, and then a couple years later, I was one of the directors of the Pennsylvania Rivers Conservation Fly Fishing Youth Camp, which was fantastic because it was about youth education, and uh, it was also putting me shoulder to shoulder with some of the best and brightest minds, not just in fly fishing, but in conservation in Pennsylvania and the Mid-Atlantic. And so it was just a fantastic opportunity to not just have interactions with those people, but South Central Pennsylvania, as I mentioned before on the podcast, is kind of an underrated and unsung mecca of fly fishing history as well as kind of just culture. And so being in in the middle of that, being at this crown jewel of conservation and youth education, and just being the guy who is on the horn so often trying to get people to come to this camp, interacting with people from all over the Commonwealth and the greater mid-Atlantic, talking from to people from Trout Unlimited to some of the large fly fishing companies, I was able to not just build networking and connections, but build relationships with people. And that was something that I truly enjoyed. And if if that's not your thing at all, if your idea of the fly fishing industry is simply a pragmatic means to the end, who's going to make the best product at the lowest price and get it to me without any sort of hassle, then I can appreciate that. But I am here to say, and and this is really kind of the focus of what I wanted to, to communicate in this 155th episode, that there are so many good people in fly fishing. There's so many genuine people in fly fishing. Now, you're going to find somebody at a fly shop who is going to be 
elitist and who's not going to give you time of day. And there's a very good chance it's because their business is struggling and they are in a rotten mood because they've been looking at that little number at the bottom of the ledger that happens to be red or bracketed in parentheses. And so it's put them in a fall mood. But you know what? For every one grumpy guy who scores a one-star Yelp review, there's two, three, four, five other people who are just on fire for fly fishing, on getting other people into fly fishing, on ensuring your success, on making sure you find that right product that you want, on, on putting you into a place where you can catch fish. You might have to look. You might have to go to that second fly shop. You might have to smile and 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 initiate conversation. People aren't necessarily going to go go just gung ho as soon as you walk in the door and roll out the red carpet and just put a bunch of free flies in your hand. But once you form those relationships, you'll realize that there's a lot of giving going on in fly fishing. I think one of the big misconceptions is that you know you might find that at the grassroots, small, local, individual fly shop level, but you're not going to find that with those big companies. And I think that's a big fault also. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think in some of the largest fly fishing companies, the biggest names you can think of, there's no need in me saying them because I think no matter which one you pick, you're probably right. There are some very very good people. I mean, some of these people, they're, they're in their mid-20s. Uh, some of these people are in their late 60s. And the reason why they're doing it isn't because they want to make a lot of money. They want to make enough money, but they also want to be in fly fishing. And there's something to be said for that. So again, you get your grumpy people, and that is what it is, but you're going to find that in any industry. You're going to find that somebody working at Walmart, and you're going to find that in a Fortune 500 company just because they're sourpuss people no matter where you go. But in fly fishing, I'm thinking of there's a number of faces that are in my head right now from, again, some of the biggest fly fishing companies of people that are just on fire about having fun and selling you quality fly fishing gear, and they want it to be good. Of course, they've got to keep the, the financial side of things in their head, but especially in these larger companies, some of these people don't have to worry about that. They are just there. How can they produce the best rod? How can they produce the best fly? How can they make the best video or educational materials or promotions so that people can get into fishing and they can use these things themselves? That is their only goal. And so I would even say in some of the really big companies, they have an advantage because they've got people on their payroll that aren't worried about the financial bottom line uh, You know, at every turn that they're taking. They're worried about, hey, how can I make the best rod so that I can fish with it so that my team can fish with it so that it can make this brand better. And there's something to be said for that as opposed to maybe a smaller company where that you know president is also the manufacturer, is also the engineer, is also the marketer. By and large, in that space, those are, those are very good people because they realize they're not going to make a million dollars in fly fishing. You know, the old joke, if you want to make a million dollars in fly fishing, then start with $2 million and wait a year and you'll have a million dollars in fly fishing. But a lot of those people, I feel like the industry and the market weeds them out. Uh, you can tell at these fly fishing shows the people that are there that are trying to just make money and just make money only. I Again, uh, people want to make money. They, they, they need to. That's that's the purpose. That's why they're, they're doing this to a certain degree. But there's people who put their heart into what they're doing and are, are believers in what they're doing and why they're doing it. And there's people that are just there to try to make a quick buck and what they perceive to be a relatively affluent space in the outdoor industry. Well, 
the joke's on them because although there is a lot of affluence, there's not enough of it to keep things afloat. I can't think of a product that you can just make at some astronomical price point and it's going to keep you fed and build wealth over a prolonged period of time without lots of innovation and the diversification of what they're offering. So, okay, so let's let's kind of boil this this all down. What am I saying? I'm saying that there are a lot of good people in fly fishing and don't buy into this idea that it's an us uh, versus them, industry versus culture kind of mindset. That is not true at all. And I would encourage you, again, as we move into this late fall and winter season, if you're listening to this when it comes out in October, to take an opportunity to reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody at your local fly shop. Form a relationship, a relationship that is predicated on you consuming something that they are providing. Whether it's a fly tying night, whether it's simply just procuring your fly tying materials or your leader tippet flies, that new rod you've been looking for, do that. Have that conversation with them. But if you have a question, then feel free to call the big company. If you have a, have a question about uh, a product that happened recently where I broke something, I'll probably talk about that here in the, the coming uh, months, but I broke a reel. And so I called up a big fly fishing company and had a conversation with somebody who knew about a part from a reel that hasn't been in production for 25 years. And we talked about it and they offered some very helpful advice and they gave me a solution that I could move forward with. And you know what? That's something you can do. So many of these companies have websites with phone numbers. That actually just happened uh, yesterday. Uh, a hunting company that I was curious about some of their products. I called them up and I was on the phone with somebody talking with a actual person. That's one of the things I think that you can find in the outdoor space that you might not be able to find everywhere else. Because by and large, these people are people who are, are into what they are making and selling. It isn't some widget being manufactured you know, overseas and then being sent here and somebody's only concerned about making sales numbers. A lot of these products are things that people are invested in in, in one way, shape, or form. So reach out to your local fly shop when you have opportunity to interact with somebody who might be a rep from a big company. And actually, you might find fly shops that do bring reps from one of the bigger companies in to have a demonstration. Or they bring in a quote-unquote angling personality, or if you go to a fly fishing show, an angling quote celebrity. And I think I've talked about that before. What else are you going to call them? I know it sounds a little bit silly, but it, it is what it is. And you, you understand the purpose of why they're saying that and what they're doing. Go in and meet these people. They're totally normal. I, you know, Whenever I talk to authors or I talk to rod builders or I talk to guides, they are just so normal, salt-of-the-earth people. And again, there are grumps and there are outliers that are just kind of miserable, but you find that in every walk of life. And so fly fishing, as fun as it is, unfortunately, is not the exception to that rule. I've learned a lot in six years of casting across but one thing I've learned is how this is a really great group of diverse people. And that in itself is something worth talking about. You know, there's kind of this mentality and message out there that, that fly fishing is homogenized. Upper middle class white guys in the demographic between 30 and 70. And there's a lot of people that fit that bill. I fit that bill. But the fact of the matter is, is that fly fishing is getting much, much more diverse. And actually, I would say the thing that divides people the most in this country is, is politics. And I'm certainly not going to talk about politics today. 
but uh, more than ethnicity, more than gender, more than uh, socioeconomic status is politics. And you will find a great diversity of political perspectives within fly fishing. Some of the people I spend the most time fly talking fly fishing with are far to the left of me and far to the right of me. And you know what? It, it, it encourages interesting conversation. But we all realize that, hey, we're shooting for kind of the same target when it comes to environmental issues. So guess what? We have some common ground. That's something we're talking about later. But that's a great group of people. And I am just happy to be occupying a small little corner of it with casting across. And I am happy that you have been a part of it, whether this is the first thing that you've done to have any exposure to the podcast or the website, or you've been with me for six years. I appreciate it. Your responses, your ideas, your emails, and even just your clicks, downloads, views, subscriptions mean a lot to me. And so thank you very much for six awesome years. Not sure how much longer I've got this in me. I mean, I, I don't have plans to stop, but of course, not everything lasts forever. But I'm going to keep doing this as long as I'm able and as long as the ideas are fresh and the fish keep biting. So thank you again. This week on Casting Across, the very first article that came out on Monday was called Trout Working for Ducks. Trout Working for Ducks. This is a very brief article, and it was something that kind of came into my head as I was sitting uh, in an island under a cups of trees waiting for ducks to fly over my head. And it's just this idea that, you know what, I know quite a bit about fly fishing, but I don't know a whole lot about waterfowling. But that made me think, you know what, I know the questions to ask because I know everything that goes into fly fishing gear, tactics, technique, environmental issues, all that sort of stuff. I know the kinds of questions that I can ask about duck hunting. And I also have some skills that are going to translate, not a perfect one-to-one -one correlation, but that I'm able to kind of translate. And so that is uh, the nature of ducks working for trout. That is what that article is about. And then the article that came out on Wednesday was called Six Years of Casting Across and You. Six Years of Casting Across and You. And as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, one of the things that I like a lot about having this forum and having this platform is how what I say is used, hopefully, just to get someone thinking. I don't need people to fish the way I fish. I don't need people to think the way that I think. I don't need people to do what I do. But if what I say or what I write or the ideas I put forward get you out and thinking about things in a new way or a different way and getting you to be creative on your own, then that's fantastic. That makes me happy, and I love hearing about it. And so actually that article was brought on by an email that I got from somebody. And I might share that when I get to the uh, next Fly Fishing Accusations podcast here in a few weeks. But I was ready to write about something else for six years of, of fly fishing and casting across. And then I got this email and it made me say, you know what? This is better. This is good. This is what it's all about. And so it made me change the course of events, if you will, and write about something different for this Wednesday. So again, I, I know I've said it already, but thank you for those of you who've been a part of Casting Cross for however long you have been a part of listening and reading. This week's recommendation on the podcast isn't a particular product, although I am going to give a particular product. I have had for goodness, maybe 20 years now, a windproof fleece jacket from Cabela's. 
it is an awesome jacket that has reinforced elbows that is thicker on the torso than it is on the arms the uh, fleece in the armpits is a lighter weight so that you can breathe easier but it is a windproof fleece and i think that that is an underrated product and i love windproof fleece for a few reasons one it's a great layer that you can put underneath something and it's not going to feel like you've got a shiny thing on underneath another shiny thing. So I, don't, I just don't like that that sensation of having like a shell underneath with another shell on top of it. So I can wear my fleece, my windproof fleece underneath a parka or underneath a rain jacket and it doesn't feel like I have nylon on nylon uh, or smooth nylon on smooth nylon. But then if I wear it by itself, it offers another level of protection because of that windproof layer that's in there. So mine is from Cabela's. I did a quick search. I can't find one that is of the same style from Cabela's right now. I saw a couple of camo ones, which I don't have a problem with, but it just doesn't seem as nice. It's actually, they're a lot cheaper too, so I don't think it is going to be as good. But uh, I like full zip. I like zip pockets. And so the one that I found that fits the bill is one from L.L. Bean. It's called the Men's Mountain Classic Windproof Fleece Jacket. I'm sure they have a ladies version as well. But it only comes in at $109. $109 is not that much. Uh, My wife, I actually has a very similar version of this and she loves it it kind of has a ribbed uh um, finish to the the body of the jacket and it comes in four colors comes in a bunch of different sizes but a windproof fleece jacket is a great layer to have on another nice thing about it is that it is quiet so if you're trying to move quietly through the woods uh, you're going to have that as opposed to something that has a shell on it and it's going to make the noise of again nylon on nylon that's one of my pet peeves if you haven't noticed i also feel like it's it's a really warm feeling fabric as long as you take care of it it's going to last forever as is evidenced by my cabela's windproof jacket upstairs i actually have the tops and the bottoms for that and those are some killer underweighter pants. They don't look nice like some of the pants that I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast, but they are incredibly warm and they're over 15 years old and still going strong. So look that up. Uh, I'll put the link to the LL Bean jacket on the show notes of this podcast page on castingacross.com if you're interested in that, but feel free check out even your, your Sierra trading post, try to find something on the discount rack, but it's just a great layer to have in the fall and in the spring and then in the winter to put underneath a heavier coat. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Live Stream Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.